This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. The Bible has many stories and laments of those who are unhappy with their life situation. Perhaps they're fearful of someone or something. Maybe they're envious of a neighbor, or perhaps they just feel that life has let them down. In today's message, we'll discuss a man who faced unbelievable hardships and yet had joy. Please stay with us for our message, Get a Grip on Contentment. Today we're going to take a look at how to get a grip on contentment. Stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your faithfulness. As we look throughout scriptures again and again, we find that you always keep your promises, that you're to be trusted and obeyed in all matters of life. As we worship you this day, May you be pleased and our faith be renewed. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Our reading for today is a part of a thank you letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians called the Philippians. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but uh, had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Dear friends, back in the 1980s, there was a song that I really liked. A lot of people liked it, in fact. It was by a band named U2, and the title of the song was, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. It sounds a bit like a personal lament, like a psalm out of the Bible in a way. Something is missing in this person's life, and they can't find it. Perhaps it's satisfaction. Perhaps it's contentment. After all... Contentment is something that we all long for in our lives, don't we? Yet it seems to elude so many people. I heard someone say one time, Contentment makes poor men rich, and discontentment makes rich men poor. Someone else talking about discontentment said, It's like ink poured into water, which fills the whole fountain full of blackness. It can have a really nasty effect on us. And turn things dark. So what's behind this discontentment that we sometimes experience? The one word that comes to mind is envy. It's an age-old human problem. The book Proverbs says a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the 
bones rot. And again and again throughout Old and New Testament, we see the problems that are attached to envy. For instance, Cain and Abel. Cain was envious of his brother Abel. Or there's Sarah, who was envious of Hagar, who could have a child, though Sarah could not. It was a mess. There's the envy and jealousy of King Saul, who chased David out in the wilderness to kill him because David had become so popular. In the New Testament, the Pharisees were envious of Jesus. Pontius Pilate even remarked on it as Jesus stood trial before him. It it has the power to bring out the worst in us. Joseph Epstein, uh, an essayist, once said, Of the seven deadly sins, only envy is no fun at all. When they were decorating the Grand Hall in Florence, Italy, way back a long time ago, all the outstanding artists were asked to submit drawings. There seemed to be little question that uh, Leonardo da Vinci, the artist of his time, would be the man for the job. However, there was a young man by the name of Michelangelo who submitted some sketches, and they were magnificent. And The committee was so enthusiastic that they gave the job to Michelangelo. When the news of this choice reached Leonardo da Vinci, the old artist went into a decline from which he never fully recovered. Evidently, envy of his young competitor took its toll on da Vinci. And on and on it goes, even amongst ourselves in this day and age as we're envious of the person who got the promotion at the office instead of us, or the other guy on the team that gets more playing time than you do, or the woman who gets uh, so much more attention uh, by the boss than than, than the other women in the office. Uh, Envy, it can kick in and cause us to do and think and feel some ugly things. And this battle goes on inside of us because of our sinful nature. It all begins when we begin to compare with other people, and then our ego and our selfishness and our pride kicks in. And there are so many external triggers besides that that get us going. Outside sources pointing out what, what we're lacking in our lives make us feel like we're missing out. Turn on the television set. We've got commercials, right? And what do they tell you? That you should be discontented. You, you need our product. Our product will give contentment to you if you'll only purchase this, use this, take this, eat this, drink this, drive this, or wear this. Or we've got Facebook. People put their posts on their Facebook page, and they typically are their highlight reels of them having the best of times. And sometimes we'll read them and say, and look at the pictures and say, boy, I wish I could go on a vacation like that. If only I had a bit more money. Or my life isn't half as fun and exciting, and I wish I had those kinds of friends. I'm really missing out. There's financial envy, too. I I wish I had their income as we watched the neighbor build a house that's big and beautiful, or relational envy. I wish I had friends or family like hers, or circumstantial envy. I wish I had a spouse as I sit and watch couples having a good time. Envy can, you know, get us into such trouble, too, as I've said before. Every time someone said, you turn green with envy, you're ripe for trouble. It can ruin your attitude, steal your joy, and move you to do some dumb things like purchase things that you can't really afford in order to keep up with others or talk down about other people that have what you don't have 
or wish ill will towards those that have what we want. And it can wreck our relationship with God. You get upset with him and blame him for our unhappiness. Lord, you shorted me, you think to yourself. So how do we get on the road to contentment, leaving discontentment behind? The Apostle Paul, in the early days of Christianity, wrote some words in a letter about contentment. It's a personal testimony, really. It's meant to teach the people who received it about where to find true contentment. It's found in a book uh, called Philippians in the New Testament. It's kind of a thank you letter and along with some teaching for their edification. The Philippians, Paul really loved them. They had been supportive of him. Anyway, near the end of the letter, he says, after saying thanks for the gift they'd sent him, I have learned, Paul says, to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. The first thing that jumps out at me when I look at this passage is the personal pronoun, I. I know and I have learned. See, Paul is speaking from personal experience. He's not simply laying some philosophical statements on them that he dreamed up on a mountaintop. But this statement comes from one who has experienced the ups and downs of life like you and I have. In fact, he's had some downs that were probably worse than anything I'll ever have. The Apostle Paul, as you examine his life in the book of Acts, basically lived a life of hand-to-mouth each day, traveling and doing work for the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. And you know, it wasn't always like that for Paul. He lived a fairly normal, comfortable existence until he met Jesus. And ever since he met the risen Lord Jesus on a road outside of the city of Damascus, his life would never quite be the same because he found grace in Jesus Christ, the, the forgiveness of God and the assurance of everlasting life, a relationship with God because of what God had done for Paul and through Jesus. He also received a calling, a new purpose in life to serve Jesus in this world. And he'd been on the go for the cause of Christ ever since. Now, it was not always easy. It was not always good times. For instance, in one of his letters, Paul writes a bit about some of the hard times. He says, five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. I was on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, from bandits, my own people, Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, and besides other things, under daily pressure about my anxiety for the churches who I care about and that I started." Man, he had a rough time. He wasn't just sitting around studying his Bible. And he's writing this letter to the Philippians from jail. And as you examine the letter, it's amazing because it reflects such joy and contentment. 
And you have to ask, where is that coming from? Earlier on in this particular letter, he reflects on the things he gave up and says, I consider them to be nothing in light of what I have now. I've learned to be content. He says, along the way, I have learned the secret. I've, I've been instructed to facing life's up and downs. What stories were in mind, I wonder, as he wrote this statement? I have learned. Was he thinking about lying in that Philippian jail the first time he visited the area after being arrested for causing trouble? Was he thinking about other times that uh, when he was shipwrecked and so on? I have learned through personal experience, he's saying, the classroom of life. And then he says, and here it is. Here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I know that line, a uh, statement is used oftentimes by athletes, for instance. Uh, you know, I can do all things in Christ. I can run faster, pitch better, hit harder. and But that really isn't the intent or the context of Paul's statement. It's about facing circumstances, going through hard times and failures and disappointments, as well as navigating the good times in a healthy manner and finding the strength through Christ to overcome trials as well as temptations and he says all that i looked for before for security and contentment is absolutely overrated comparing to having jesus christ in my life trusting and obeying him i have found inexhaustible resources for the living life with contentment through ups and downs paul says you know first of all i've found that in all circumstances with christ in my life good times or bad weakness or strong, Christ is faithful. He He's always there with me, strengthening me, carrying me with his Spirit's power. I face nothing alone. He has never deserted me and left me like an orphan to face matters in life. Paul says, uh, besides that, I, I know also that Christ has prepared a, a place for me. He's given me a glimpse of what awaits me when I breathe my last in this old world. I've placed my trust in him, and he says the best is yet to come. He's prepared a place in his father's house for me in heaven. And so Paul can say confidently to these Philippians, to live as Christ, to die, is absolutely gain. As one places his or her faith in Jesus Christ, they are heaven-bound. They know the big picture now. Paul would say, as I've lived with him and followed him as his student, living in his holy word and talking to the other disciples that walked with Jesus. Jesus has taught me what makes for contentment, how to avoid the pitfalls that can pull me into being discontented. As he asked me questions like, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and, and wreck his soul? What's really important in life anyway? Giving yourself away, Jesus teaches, is where real life and contentment and fulfillment's found. He points me to a loving father when I'm worried. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or wear. Look at the birds or the fields. God takes care of them. You're more value than them. He loves you, knows what you need. He teaches me gratitude for, for what I do have, pointing out that God is busy in his creation and he's providing for me and I need to count my blessings. And when I let him down with my thoughts and my words and our actions, he points me to the cross and he tells me, you Paul, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. 
I love you. That's what Paul would say to us. There you have it. The secret of contentment is living and following Jesus Christ who gave his life on the cross for you and me and then rose again, who is present and available to live with us all the way into eternity. And that's where contentment begins and ends. Christ. In his autobiography, Just As I Am, Dr. Billy Graham tells a story that speaks to this truth about where to find contentment. He writes, I have a friend Several years ago, Ruth and I had a vivid illustration of this on the island of, in the Caribbean. One of the wealthiest men in the world had asked us to come to his lavish home for lunch. He was 75 years old, and throughout the entire meal, he seemed to be close to tears. I'm the most miserable man in the world. He said, out there's my yacht. I can go anywhere I want to. I have my private plane, my helicopters. I have everything I want to make life happy, yet I'm miserable as hell. Billy Graham says, we talked to him and prayed with him, trying to point him to Christ, who alone gives lasting meaning to life. Then we went down the hill to a small cottage where we were staying, and that afternoon the pastor of the local church came to call on us. He was an Englishman, and he too was a widower like the first man who spent most of his time taking care of his two invalid sisters. He was full of enthusiasm and love for Jesus and others. I don't have two pounds to my name, he said with a smile, but I am the happiest man on this island. Billy Graham relates how he asked his wife Ruth after they left, who do you think's the richer man? She didn't have to reply because they both already knew the answer. I have a friend, he's a fellow pastor who started a recovery ministry years ago for alcoholics and addicts. And our congregation got involved financially supporting this startup which is a few miles away from us, and it's been a rough and challenging and effective ministry. And he'll share stories with me over coffee now and then that just cause me to shake my head at what he puts up with. He and his wife have been living for years hand to mouth, month by month. Somehow or another, God provides and keeps them going, and they've displayed such great faith. Lois, his wife, recently passed away at a rather young age, and Frank insisted on preaching at her funeral because she wanted him to. I don't know how he did it, but he pulled it off. And in the midst of his message, he told us this. Through Lois, I have learned to have faith in Christ's promises. He's been taking care of Lois and me for a lot of years. He surprised us not only spiritually, but even materially along the way, as we've entrusted everything to him. And he's kept us going in this ministry. And he stopped and he said to us, and you can trust him too. Frank found contentment, not an easy life, but a contented life following Jesus. He learned the truth of Paul's statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so can you, my dear friends. Trust Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be reminded that you are the true source of contentment in life. And in you, we can do all things, in all circumstances, strengthened by your Spirit's power. Keep teaching us, Lord, what's valuable in this life that you've given us, and empower us to live our days to your glory and your honor. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. 
May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you learn the truth of Paul's statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you enjoyed today's message and have the means to do so, we invite you to prayerfully and financially share in Christian Crusaders' mission, which is to provide a weekly worship service proclaiming Jesus Christ as Redeemer of the world and personal Savior to all who receive Him. We are a nonprofit 501-3C, listener-supported ministry. All contributions to this ministry are considered tax-deductible. Please send your donation to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We deeply appreciate your prayerful and financial gifts. We're excited about our redesigned website. Visitors to our site will discover easy-to-find links to the current message as well as previous messages and other useful information. Please take a moment to check it out today at www.christiancrusaders.org. Christian Crusaders publishes a quarterly newsletter called The Crusader. This publication contains a special article written by our speakers, as well as other interesting information concerning this ministry. If you would like to receive this mailing, please call our office at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. You may also write us at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We are happy you were able to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.